I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Mike Lynch. What's going on? This is Rashad. This is the Sports Sunday Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. It is now brought to you on the fan by your local Les Schwab Tire Centers. Doing the right thing since 1952. Kick the tires and light the fires, Big Daddy. The matchups. The superstars. The games. Starting defense. Place at the table. Wow! This is Football Sunday on The Fan, a comprehensive look at today's National Football League action with your hosts, Mike Lynch and Rashad Taylor. You all know what you have to do. Remember, no one, and I mean no one, comes into our house and pushes us around. This is Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. Oh, wow, it is a very glorious day in these two studios. Oh, my gosh, man, like... Literally night and and literal day, right? Like right now. So, for those who, who don't know, and it's been a while, but you should at this point, is TV's gone. They have left us as an entity, as Tenny to the fan, but they've been gone since mid December, and just Friday, so January nineteenth, it took them a month to remove their stuff. This includes their entire bastion of equipment that was in the back of the control. The one that we talked about last week about mm-hmm. selling. Yes. Um, that includes, they had the kind of, I don't want to call it wallpaper, but it was kind of wallpaper. And it had their logo and it had sponsor logo and stuff on it. A little backdrop. Would have been super cool for, super cool for like a, if you have like a man cave or something yeah, like that. Yeah, that I was thinking cool. about that as or well. Or like a shower curtain. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that would have been a great oh, shower curtain. Like we love it. it. <laughs> Uh, the, the one in the room to our left, which is another production room for those who don't know, actually had shower curtain rods on the top that it slid on because they moved it. Um, so we could have just taken that as a shower curtain. And it also, the worst part of which was they had giant, well, we as the station put giant white cutouts into the windows to block the light so that the TV light was good. Now, the they came in and removed all of their stuff on Friday. Which, A, makes the rooms feel very weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, very. Especially the control room. It feels yeah. like five times the size. It looks like we're moving. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> yeah, you've got all the space behind you. Yeah. yeah so many you activities do to do in calisthenics. There. Yeah. Right? Yeah, no, I can get my golf bag out, do some putting. Yeah, you, know? you could yeah. putt. You could probably practice your swing. The ceilings are yeah. tall. Definitely I've tried that before. It just wasn't enough space with that desk back there. Yeah, but now, now you're totally good. Right. Um, and so that's gone. And now we can see out the window, which is just. This is super cool. Fantastic. And. and so what happened was we, we, they, they took all the stuff, and then our bosses came by, and we were like, oh, look at how empty it is. And all of us were like, yeah, how about giving us our windows back? And they were like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and we got Rick to come in, one of the engineers. Uh, you know Rick from our remote broadcast. Mm-hmm. And he uh, came down and took down some of them, and now we've got the best best view in the building. Absolutely. We got Absolutely. the – we just look out at the Willamette. And uh, the rainy, will poop-filled Willamette. Yeah. I like how it's become a like a meme on this station to mispronounce it just because CJ McCollum did the one time. <laughs> yeah, CJ. I mean, he's never going to live that down either. No. Yeah, it's all good, though. Willameda. The Willameda. The Willameda River. I want, you know, they probably don't like, where's CJ from? Uh, 
I don't know. I'm pretty Pennsylvania sure. Pennsylvania or somewhere over there. Yeah, I'm pretty Lehigh. sure they don't learn a whole bunch about the Northwest, about the great Northwest. You know, the Willamette, you know, the Sandy River. I'm pretty sure they don't right. learn much about that. Couch Street. Yeah. Jesse, you want to put the hockeys up real quick? Oh, yeah. Yeah, just a sec. Um, give me one moment. Okay. I'll wait. Um, but, yeah, so it's we got windows open, and we uh, we can see everything, and it's glorious. And even though it's raining, it's better to be seeing the rain than to be seeing than to be seeing nothing. No, yeah, you know, it was just like a, a, a really dark room. Like we had, like I turned the lights almost all the way off. You know, they're kind of on right now, but you don't need them. We don't really need the lights. Even though, like, and, and and the wife and I were talking about this yesterday because it it's kind of like that bad gloom today and yesterday, and we were talking about it how how much different now that we've lived here for a while how much different the good gloomy and the bad gloomy days are in portland mm -hmm. because there's days like today which is kind of a bad gloom uh, it's uh i mean it's wet it's raining but it's also just darker than it should be and then there's other days where there's some gloom where you know you get little clouds up there you can actually see the cloud breaks there's maybe a tiny little bit of blue showing up it's a huge difference it makes you feel totally this different is, as a person and no uh, this is the reason people if you've lived here for a long time, you hate Portland just because that this is what it looks like. This is the gloom that you get um, 270 days a year. You know, this is just kind of what it is, man. Really gray, uh, really wet, probably windy. You know, I have friends from Alaska that are always telling me how cold it is here. And I'm like, cold? Like, what? What are you talking about? And they're like, man, and Alaska is dry. Like, it's just snow. I can put on a skirt or guys wear, you know, hoop shorts and just go to the store or whatever the case is. It's all good. Here, man, it's cold, it's wet, and it's windy all at the same time. Like, so it's a chill you to the bone type of cold. And it can be really frustrating, especially if you've been here for a long time. I can't wait to move somewhere hot. I can't wait to move to Boca. It's going to be majestic. <laughs> I don't know. I, I haven't really noticed that. It's been, again, I've only been here for like eight years now, seven years now. But it's it was one of those feelings of, I thought it was going to be a lot worse than it actually is. You know, there's the whole joke that if you're not from here, you're going to use an umbrella, which is totally true because there are plenty of times where people would probably consider it to be pouring, yet I'm just out there walking around with not even a hood on because it's like, eh, whatever. It's just some rain. No, it's, it's fine. It'll go away. No. And that, but that's, that's what I'm saying is I'm not miserable in it. It's just like, oh, it's raining. You know, the amount of times that my parents will talk to me and they're from the East Coast and on the national news, it'll say, Portland getting slammed by a huge storm. And they're like, oh, my God, Mike, you're getting a storm? And I'm like, what? It's just raining. Yeah, it's just, it's really just rain. Those, those storms, until they say that the snowstorm is coming, that's when you'll see people really freak out. But for the most part, right. they say rain, I'm like, oh, well, you know, that's cool. It's just a... Isn't it just funny how... It's just a regular old Tuesday. People would consider it a storm. And when you live here, you're like, it's just raining. No, this is just rain. Like, it's not any different than any other A storm is going to knock out my cable. A storm is going to possibly break a window or blow some garbage cans everywhere. This is just regular-ass rain. That's what depresses me about it, though, is that it, it's not a storm. It's <laughs> yeah, that it's, it's just, just it's another day. Another day in paradise here in Portland in the poop-filled Willamette. Well, what's funny, though, is that I guess technically it is a storm, right? Because if they're calling it a storm on the from the meteorological side, then technically it probably is, 
maybe there's a heavy rain aspect. I don't know why we're talking so much weather, but there's a heavy rain aspect of it, and they're like, oh, that's storming out. But it's just not how it is out Yeah, you know, we got it. We, got we guys, feel very different. We got a guy that said he loved, or someone on the text line said they love the rain. You know, it's, it's, it's hoodie and sweatshirt season. I, I get it. Yeah, it is. Some, but Some people dig it. But, like, I'd like to see some. I mean, would you go, like, a 365? I mean, I'd like, I'd love, like, for 200 days of summer, or summer weather, mm. 50 I, days I, of summer I, weather. If you want to live in awesome. Bend. I, I'd love it. Bend <laughs> is awesome. I thrive in 115. Like I, I love the heat. Yeah. Like, uh, like bring oh, it we, on. We have learned know? about his heat yeah. habits. I love it too. I'm, I'm right there with you, Jesse. But like, you don't love your. I mean, hot, I, though. I used to be okay with this weather. Like sure when did. I was 18, I was walking around the University. Of, I mean, the Washington, uh, Western Oregon, blah campus. That's where he went. Um, to yeah, it, that campus seems to flood a little bit. Like the water doesn't like sink into it, and there was a couple really rainy days, and like it would flood, and I'd just walk around in my Birkenstocks, and my whole feet like submerged in water, and they'd turn purple, and it was no big deal. But I could that, see you being the hippie in Birkenstocks, dude. I like that how you were Birkenstocks. Yeah, oh yeah, I was a big Birkenstock guy back in the day, but I I moved on from that. That that is what I call the Portland phase, and I moved on right to a more comfortable lifestyle. Interesting. Well. It's funny because I have a buddy, one of my best friends, lives in California, and he he loves the rain, but they don't get any. He's from San Jose, and they don't get any rain. And he's like, I'll, I'd love to move to Portland. I'd love to get some rainy no, days don't. in my life. No, you don't. Easy to love it when you only see it, you know, a handful of times a year. He likes the rain. He that's, likes the rain. That's silly. All right. We do have a lot of football coming up on the show today, as it is football Sunday after all. And we are on championship Sunday. Not Super Bowl Sunday. Championship Sunday. There are the final two games of the playoffs before the Super Bowl today. You've got the AFC title game. That would be the Patriots and the Jags. That's going to be starting at noon. And then you have the NFC title game between the Vikings and the Eagles, which is about 340 today. Both well after our show is over, but we have lots of stuff to get to with both of those games. want to break down the games, obviously, but we want to talk about in general, and there's more specifics to each one, but just generally, the other three quarterbacks. Right, You have Tom Brady. We've talked about Tom Brady to death for years and years and years and years and years. But the rest of the quarterbacks left are Case Keenum, Nick Foles, and Blake Bortle. Now, that sounds really bad on paper, but what does it actually mean? What are their futures with their teams? Because those are all up in the air for all three of them, to be honest. And which one do you think is going to give you the best performance out of those three? So we'll get to that, plus the games, and which is the Super Bowl performance you or matchup you'd like to see. All coming up on the show today, we also have... Hate it or love it at 10.30, uh, which we always do. And the winner of that segment will get to host the final segment of the show. But coming up next, let's dive right in to the first game. That would be Patriots-Jaguars. Is Rashad nervous? We'll find out next here on Football Sunday on The Fan. Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. 914 here on your Sunday morning. Mike and Rashad here. Jesse is as well until 11 o'clock. This is Football Sunday on the Weather Channel, in case you're curious. <laughs> Coming up next segment, discussing the cloud types. I like it. Which is your favorite? Sirius Stratus. I actually know literally what the... I don't know anything about cloud types. I just know that they have different names. <laughs> um, I believe the Sirius Stratus are the really tall, wispy cloud clouds no that um, hug the stratosphere, no, <laughs> hence the name Sirius Stratus. Man, I'm copying on that test. All right. So. Yeah, I have no idea. Um, Football-wise, though, today, do you want to start with the quarterback talk, quarterback talk being Blake Bortles, mm. or do you want to start with the breakdown of the game that leads into the quarterback talk? Let's start with the game. Okay. 
Patriots Jags coming up at noon today. What channel is that one on? CBS, I imagine. I believe so. Yep, CBS twelve oh five. Uh you've got Pats as a seven and a half point favorite now. They started as a nine point favorite and it has fallen for one very specific reason. The uncertainty behind Tom Brady's throwing hand. He has been dodging questions about it. He wore gloves to the stupid press conference so he could block what his hands looked like. There's all sorts of rumors and reports out there. Not 100% sure what's going on with him, uh, but the latest is that he is expected to play. He was questionable, officially questionable. He is expected to play. Obviously, that's a huge deal. Um, but I still think it's a huge deal, even if he plays, that they're making this much of an issue around it or trying to hide it this much, that maybe this is a little bit more serious than we thought. The first report was he bumped hands into somebody and bruised it or something. And then it turned into, well, he had a big cut that needed stitches. And then it turned into other stuff. And people were just completely going nuts with all of their theories about it. And not that the Patriots helped. They just kept it really, really un under wraps, but literally. And either way, he's going to play, right? He's not going to sit this game. But against the best defense in the NFL, this is a big deal. This is not good for the Patriots. And I don't I know that sounds like I'm gonna pick the Jags and I'm not, but I was already on the fence of this Jaguars team is getting no respect in this game, and they really should. And everyone's calling out that they gave up 42 points to the Steelers as if that's a negative, where really the Steelers just had a lot of really lucky one-on-one -on -one balls that were thrown up into coverage that went the way of the Steelers. The Jaguars' defense played more like themselves in the first half when they absolutely dominated Pittsburgh and than they did in the second half when Pittsburgh just threw the ball up to Antonio Brown every five seconds. Um, so I'm not looking at that as a negative. I'm looking at that as the Steelers were on full comeback mode and trying everything they could to get touchdowns. And the Jags' defense is more of the first-half defense with elite corners, with an amazing pass rush, the ability to force fumbles and get interceptions. That's the Jags' defense. And if Tom Brady is hindered at all, then that's a huge cause for concern. I mean, I, I wouldn't say – I'm not going to say I w wouldn't be concerned. I guess for me the only concern as far as Brady's throwing hand is uh, some swelling. Uh, it looks like the surgery was, what, Thursday, Wednesday, Thursday, something like that, so he got stitches. Um, that's my only concern at this point would be, man, is, is the swelling kind of – have it, has it subsided at all? Is he going to be able to, you know, taking the snap and – um, when he falls or when he gets hit or if he gets hit, um, does he use that hand to, to to brace his fall? Those are the yeah. things that I'm kind of worried about, you know, more so than is he going to be able to to throw the ball? Like, I think that will be fine. Really, it's – I don't know how many stitches it was. Um, I think that will give us a lot. We don't uh, even know if it actually yeah, is stitches, Exactly. Right? So that, I think rumors. that would give us a better indication. If it was two stitches, not tripping. But if he had 13 stitches in that hand – then okay, well that's a you know pretty significant cut at that point. So we don't really know any details at this point, and it doesn't really worry me that much. You know, I think a lot of these guys are playing with some similar things. We hear there's guys in the NFL that get stitches every single week, and we never hear about it. You know, stitches in their heads, to throw on their arms, on their on their knee, you know, whatever the case is, and we never even. We, we never see it in the injury report because it's just such a small thing. I think right now you're hearing about it because this is the AFC Championship game. Tom Tom Brady and the Patriots' seventh AFC Championship game. And so I think you're kind of looking at that going, oh, well, 
this could be where the wheels kind of fall off. But I think at this point, you look at the NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, you got the best trainers, you got the best surgeons possible. So they wouldn't allow him to play if they thought it would be something. Mm. Unless his name is Alex Guerrero and he's a quack and he just has all this hey man, he's stuff. Man, he's a, a, a quack or a, a really a guru. You know, a lot of people mm. say, you know, gurus are quacks, man. So, hey, man, I don't mm. I don't know, man. He's. Uh, I don't think he's a guru, Rashad. I don't know, bro. <laughs> like, I, I, I don't know if you saw the interview with TJ Hushmanzada on, um, I think it might have been Cowherd or something like that. I did not. But he asked him just kind of about his relationship with Alex Guerrero and some of the things that, uh, that TJ had to go to him for as far as his rehabilitation he said he had this problem with his calf for a lot of his career even back at Oregon State and he said he went with Guerrero and you know that it wasn't a problem no more so that's just one of many athletes who's kind of come out and spoken and said yeah man dude works like I, I can understand why people would look at him and say yeah you're you're crazy you're an idiot but I mean if it's something it's, it's a lot of times mental and it's a lot of it is mental yeah. that is true I think my number one concern would be it's not it's not that it he had the stitches. It's that the stitches are making him wear a glove, which or it's a, or is he, he wearing the glove to hide it? He, I mean, it could be that he, right. He's supposed to be wearing it for the game, supposedly. And if he wears it for the game, that's where my concern lies because then you're going. You're a quarterback who always throws the ball without a glove. I don't know how many times I've ever seen him play with gloves. It's not his thing to play with a glove. He on said his he hates hands. playing with gloves. No, yeah, I think most quarterbacks and, don't like playing with gloves. And Manning switched to that because of the thing in his neck. Like that's the reason he, he did, couldn't he, feel he couldn't his fingertips. Feel, he couldn't yeah. grip the ball, and that's why he had to do that. And I think you noticed a big difference with Manning and his throwing of the ball and all that kind of stuff. It's it it takes away that feeling of the ball. It disconnects you from the ball wearing that glove. And so that's my number one concern because all it takes is one pass, not quite right, coming out of the hands, and this ball hawking defense oh, yeah. gets a pick six. And oh, that yeah. could be the difference of the game. Not that he ever throws pick sixes, but uh, with the glove, I don't know, and yeah. that's that's my main concern. And for me, it's just it's uh, like like Lynch kind of said, like we don't know anything about the injury. All we know is that he's got a cut on his hand. We don't know where don't on know the that. thumb it is. We don't. It could be on the back of the well, thumb. We don't know that even. No, we don't. Yeah, that's we, just we know a guess. Yeah, we we know we nothing know at nothing, this point, right, John Snow. So it's it's just kind of it's kind of one of those things, and I think the Patriots would kind of prefer it to be that way. You know, know as little as possible. But yes, I agree with you. It's it takes one you know, ball that comes out kind of wobbly, you know, or a one lame duck to to see Jalen Ramsey or one of these guys just take it out of the air and Jacksonville ball at that point. So I think that's – it's a concern, but I'm more concerned with um, really is the defense going to be able to hold Leonard Fournette? You know, that's – that's if I'm a – you know, as a Patriots fan, that's what I'm looking at. It's like I watched Leonard Fournette run all over everybody in these playoffs so far. So what's to make me think that this would be the game to where – he just slows down. And so right. that's I, – I mean, Marquise Lee and, you know, the other guys, like those aren't really – I don't think if you're a Patriots fan or if you're on, on the, in that Patriots locker room right now, I don't think you're worried about that guy. You're worried about that defense. You're worried about Leonard Fournette. Well, and that's the thing about the, the playoffs right now. The last four teams left, three of the four have top – I want to say three or four defenses, and then there's the Patriots who are ranked 26th. And that's a huge – a huge thing, right? Because everyone always says defense wins championships, which is mostly true. And when you've got three of the best defenses in the NFL and then one of the worst defenses in the NFL left, I think naturally you go, well, that team's not going to win. But that team's the Patriots, who have the the mystique on their side. They've got Tom Brady. 
they've got Bill Belichick. They've got Rob Gronkowski. They've got the history. They've got the track record. I guess that's the same thing. They've got the past success at this level. And that is outweighing the fact that their defense kind of sucks. So that's a good point to bring up because now the Jags offense isn't exactly a barn burner all the time. They're really inconsistent. We'll talk about Bortles coming up next segment. But uh, you're right. Leonard Fournette's been great. Their running game has been very good. Mm-hmm. They have a coach and a VP of player personnel who are both very kind of old school run first base guys and Marone and Coughlin. Coughlin's very familiar with the Patriots and, right. how, and to, how to win. And this, this to me, I think is a little bit overblown. But if you'd like to take something out of it, Coughlin's the one who's beaten the Pats twice in the Super Bowl. Now, he's not the coach, right? But he is a guy who can give tips. And granted, those two wins were both a little bit uh, lucky, if you will. That last, that Eli throw to Mario Manningham was just gorgeous, though. It was a perfect throw. Oh, my gosh. But on both wins, they had last-second throws go their way that helped them win. I mean, the the Tyree catch was especially lucky. but Yeah, Wes Welker letting the ball go right through his hands. Yeah, Uh, but he also like leaped for it so it wasn't <laughs> yeah he leaped for it and went right through his hands he had it and catches that ball then first down patriots have six yeah. Super Bowls. let's judge julio oh. jones for missing last week's catch more than that catch though holy crap yeah <laughs> that was the easiest catch and even if even had had he even made it he still would have been out of bounds maybe but it was just the fact that it went through his hands that's a whole nother story it was just reminded me of it talking about Wes welker um but that i think the the fact that the patriots defense is so bad and they did get better as the year went on remember how bad they were for the first six I, weeks of the I, season i do they, <laughs> yeah they were just a sieve but they got a little bit better but it's still not very good and they're not great against the run which is the jaguar st- strong yep. strength you know so and, and that's what bothers me and you know really we go into these games and really if if anybody else but bill belichick was the patriots head coach I think you'd be saying this is probably Jaguars are going to win, could win this game. You know, I think that the one, if you can go down the NFL for every single position, and every, and I think most of them are debatable. We have conversations on the show all the time. Who's the best receiver in the league? You know, you think it's Antonio Brown. I think when he's healthy, it's Odell Beckham. I think you think my, it might be Julio Jones. But, I mean, we could all be right, right? You know, it could be either one of those dudes. We look at quarterback. It's all debatable. Is it Aaron Rodgers? Head coach is the one position in the NFL where – Every every week, advantage Belichick. Every single week, no matter who he plays against, advantage Belichick. And I think that's the one thing that none of these other teams have is that head coach that has seen it all at this point and says can can change things from quarter to quarter, half to half. You know, like we asked, just ask the Atlanta Falcons. First half, it looked like this game is over 28-3. Second half, whole different team. You know, so this is kind of the M.O. of the Patriots. And it's all because of, man, Bill Belichick. Nobody makes adjustments like Belichick. He, he not not just during the week, but at halftime, he's able to mold and ply that team into a piece of art like nobody else. He's he's magical that way, and and so you know it when it has come to him losing, it has come to weird freak plays, and I think this is the like one of those few times where you can see. Like, that formula is there to defeat the Patriots in the Jaguars, and I do attribute a lot of that to to Coughlin because we've talked about this before. It's like it was the culture, the culture. Like, these Jaguars need to find their identity. They have so much dang talent. Like, why are they not achieving anything? Tom Coughlin comes in there, changes the culture, the identity of that team in a single offseason, and you see the success there. Is there a classier coach? Was there a classier coach than Tom Coughlin? Like, I mean, honestly, like, I mean, I mean, he wasn't. It's kind of a red ass. I mean, he, he is, but I mean, at the same time, he. I wouldn't ca- call that classic. For the, for the, but for the, for the coach of the New York football giants. 
you know, I think you got to you got to be tough skin. Number one, if you're a thin skin coach, you're not going to make it very long. And for any one of those teams, Knicks, n- you know, Nets, any one of those teams, it's a wrap. It, that's just kind of what it is. Tom Coughlin kept that team afloat for years, and really, it was man, there was some great coaching from from Tom Coughlin's part to to put the put the Giants over the Patriots in those two Super Bowls. So it's it's one of those things. So I'm looking at that going, that could be a big coup for the uh, the Jaguars today is having somebody that has that experience with the defense to say, hey, man, go get Brady. Attack, 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 and don't stop attacking. That's what we did to win, and it worked twice. When has Brady struggled the most in his playoff career when he's getting hit? Over and over again. Against the Giants, uh, when they have the Broncos, that great pass Broncos. rush against yeah. the Broncos, yeah, absolutely. Uh, when he's getting hit and pressured, the Patriots' offense crumbles because it's not the same offense. He's not mobile, so if he doesn't have a pocket to throw in and pick apart the defense, which he's the best at, it's going to be a lot harder for him to win the game. So, keys to this game include turnovers forced by the Jaguars, running game by the Jaguars, and consistent defense by the Patriots. But the other key is what we'll talk about next, and that's Blake Bortles. There you go. Can he possibly beat the Patriots to make a Super Bowl? Is that even fathomable to you that Blake Bortles could be a Super Bowl quarterback? That's next, but first, Jesse has Sports Center. Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. Nine thirty-three here on Football Sunday, Championship Sunday, if you will. Talking Jags, Patriots here. Some texts on the fan text line at five five three zero five. That's where you can interact with us. You can also find us on Twitter, by the way, at ten eighty the fan. At Mike Lynch twenty seven is myself. At TaylorMade five zero three is Rashad and Jesse's at Jesse Osmond A S Z M A N. This text, this is a classic Patriots smokescreen. There's nothing wrong with Tom Brady. They're trying to change the focus after the not-so-nice article came out about Tom Perfect. Certainly possible. Yeah. I, I would not rule that out as a possibility, um, although I do believe that it's against NFL rules to fake an injury in an injury report. So if they if they are doing that, again, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put that past the Patriots yeah, either. Okay. But I'm saying if they are doing that, then they got to be extra careful not to get caught. I would, fr- I would think never we would cheated. for sure. Right. That's what I'm saying. Do that. I'm not saying it as if like, oh, they'd never break the rules because they have. Yeah, but uh, it's just one of those things where that's also a thought process behind that too. And um, here's a text. I was a fan of the Dilfer Ravens back in 2000. Congrats. Uh, sorry that they were not great otherwise, but they had a great defense. Uh, watch Jeff Hostetler beat Jim Kelly. Sure, with the Pats D being average, Bortles can win. And let's talk about Blake Bortles because Bortles is the laughing stock of the NFL. He has been for a couple of years. He is a guy who was a very, very high draft pick out of Central Florida. I believe the number three or number five pick, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. And his first year. Yeah, I third, believe he was four, right? Third pick. Third first pick. round, third pick, 2014. Just found it. Uh, his first year, he actually wasn't that bad. He had 11 touchdowns. Oh, he was really bad. Sorry. Second year, he wasn't that bad. He had 11 touchdowns and 17 picks. I remember there was an early year it wasn't that bad. Uh, he threw 35 touchdowns in his second year, had 18 interceptions. So basically, I mean, 18 is way too many, but he doubled it up. Then he kind of, the last two years, kind of slowly regressed again, back to being a, a pretty below average quarterback. His completion percentage rate is not very high. He can't break 60% most years. Um, but he's just stuck around in Jacksonville. 
because they don't draft a better quarterback or they still believe that he can turn into something good because he was really highly regarded out of college. Um, well, this year, once again, pretty mediocre season. Now, 21 touchdowns, 13 picks, so not the worst thing in the world, uh, but a 60% completion percentage, he wasn't great. But coming to the playoffs, coming to last week's game, Bortles actually played really well last week. He's in his best season. Easy. Second best season, I think. Now, I, I, I'm going to ignore the statistics because there are games that literally they tried to not, like, they just ran the crap out of the ball. He's in his best season. Well, in last week's game, 214 yards passing, one touchdown, no picks, didn't make any bad mistakes. Was there, I remember the first drive of the game. We were watching it here. Completion to the tight end. Completion to the right side. Completion. complete. He was just knocking it out of the park. And... I'm sitting there going, whoa, Blake Bortles, who we've made fun of for years, is in the playoffs, could barely beat the Bills last week and only throws for 87 yards, and we're making fun of him even more. Didn't make a mistake, though. Um, now he's actually torching this Steelers defense, which wasn't very good, but and I should maybe not torching, but being very, very consistent against a, a pretty bad Steelers defense. You're going, wow, in the playoffs, Blake Bortles is showing up this week. He's going up a pretty below-average Patriots defense. And you know, the Patriots know, that the best way to beat them is running the football. So you know the Patriots are going to be king on the run, which means Blake Bortles is going to have a little bit of an important role again, which is exactly what happened against the Steelers last week. They knew, the Jags did, Doug Marone did, that they were going to key against the run. So that first drive, they passed the ball most of the time. It was a pretty pass-heavy first drive. And it worked. It got the Steelers on the heels, and it, and it got the, the Jaguars into the end zone. I could see that happening again. And if Bortles is confident, and his teammates seem to be confident in him, then holy crap, maybe Blake Bortles can make a Super Bowl. Blake Bortles is a great example of the NFL's impatience, I think. This is just me. Um, Blake Bortles, it, it, for most people, it would seem like he's been in the league for seven, eight years. This is year number four. For Blake Bortles. After the first year that he had, everybody, oh, he's a bust. Then he came out the next year and threw for, what, uh, I think it was 35 touchdowns, and he still threw 18 picks. And that's when all of us in this room said, this is the year that Jacksonville is going to be the team that next year. And then last year, they just kind of flopped. They weren't very good. This year is resurgence, man. But this is only year four for Blake Bortles. Like, everybody was willing to panic and, and throw in the towel on him last year. And it's just kind of one of those things. Blake Bortles is essentially Joe Flacco. They're almost the exact I'm, – I'm, hey, Joe Flacco won a Super Bowl. Yeah, Joe, Joe Flacco's, Flacco's a lot better than Blake Bortles, though. Uh, we, Joe Flacco wasn't regarded – he was regarded as a really good game manager. You look at their stats, they're pretty similar. That's as not far true, as though, because years. we had conversation I mean, for two years, not not we, but we as the media. The question is is – uh, Joe Flacco, elite. That was the question. You're because, never going to ask that no, about Blake because, Bortles. No, because and why? And but only because Blake Bortles hasn't won any games. Let him do this again for another year, another two years. Like we forget that, like Blake Bortles now, man. Joe Flacco had an amazing, um, damn near legendary defense playing with them for for the past for seven of his ten years there. You know he's he's been in the mix for quite a while, and now it looks like Blake Bortles is finally entering that point of his career to where he's going to be. In the mix now, does he? His, if you look at his stats, they don't wow you. Twenty-one touchdowns, thirteen interceptions on the seasons. They're not going to wow you. He but, has to manage the game. As he can't but if you looked football. at uh, um, Joe Flacco's stats, 
they didn't wow you. 21 touchdowns in his second season, 21 and 12, 25 and 10, 20 and 12, 22 and 10. Those don't those don't look like a quarterback that, oh my gosh, let me he's gonna win the Super Bowl at some point. But guess what? Flacco went into New England, beat New England, made New England look JV on that game, and then went to the Super Bowl and did the same thing. So it's not to say that. Uh, that he can't go out there and play the best football of his life. I think Blake Bortles is a really underrated quarterback. I just think we look at interception numbers and say that tells the story, and that's not all the story. What do you think the Thank future you, mm-hmm. of Bortles is in Jacksonville? Because we've seen the discussion already that the Jags are one of the teams who's in the market for a quarterback. The Eli Manning was a consideration, or Kirk Cousins, or drafting although they're not going to get one of the top guys this year because of how far they are in the playoffs. Or they could decide to keep Blake Portals. Now, this also comes to the question of, do you want to be stuck in quarterback purgatory? Do you believe you're already stuck in quarterback purgatory? Um, or do you want to take a risk and try to get a big-name guy this offseason who is better than Blake Portals? Now, all of this is – we're trying to be positive about Blake Portals here, right? It's, he, he's, he's been playing much better – in general this season than we expected him to. But if we're being honest, there's plenty of better guys out there that could be quarterbacks of this team who are available than Blake Bortles. Kirk Cousins is better than Blake Bortles. Eli Manning is better than Blake Bortles. Mm-hmm. Eli Manning is also Tyrod Taylor is better than Blake Bortles. True. Tyrod, I don't, Tyrod, I'm, I'm going to say the name no, my Damien. Tyrod Taylor is not better than Blake Bortles. Yes, he is. I don't think so. Um, but so there's guys out there who are better. But there also, there's risk coming with that as well. You know, you're spending money in free agency. Or do you keep Bortles? Is he the guy that you think he's going to be for the future if your defense can be this good? Do you just need a guy who can manage the game well enough? Or or is it too much of a risk that he's going to regress back to being Mr. Interception and then he's going to ruin the, their chances in the future? I think of making it's the really hard to ask a lot of a guy who just got a run game. Like, they've got they've got some running backs over the past couple seasons. I think last year they went out and got Chris Ivory, I think it was. That hasn't really paid dividends at all. Now that they finally have a legit running back, they've got at least what I think most of us think might be a legit receiver or a couple of receivers on their team if they can ever get it going. And then all of a sudden you've got this, man, juggernaut defense. What's there to what's there to tell me that Blake Bortles can't do this job? Like, I mean, he's done it. He's in the AFC championship game. So clearly he he's capable of doing this. Like all the quarterbacks that we're gonna talk about, I mean, all these dudes are capable for Brady. 40, you're not supposed to be there. Guess what? He's going back to the AFC Championship. Nick Foles is supposed to be uh, on, on the bench somewhere, which is crazy to me, and he's in the he's in the NFC Championship. Man, Case Keenum, the consummate backup. He's a backup on every other team in the league. He's in the NFC Championship. So, man, if you have a good team around you, man, anything is possible. And right now, Blake Bortles looks like he might have the brightest future of any of those dudes considering what his team looks like. This is simple to me to answer, and it just comes down to what would Tom Coughlin do? And because it, Tom Coughlin's a pretty intelligent person, he WWCD. understands. That's exactly what I was thinking, dude. Um, and, and and he, you know, he understands the cap. He understands how to build a roster. He understands the importance of defense of the running game, how that affects everything. And he's gonna, he's not gonna go. Oh, you know what? Let's go spend almost thirty million dollars on a quarterback so we get Kirk Cousins. As much as I love Kirk Cousins, everybody knows I like Kirk Cousins. Uh, the smarter nice. move is to go, we can get, like, it's possible that you can sign Blake Bortles for 9 or $10 million a year. 
and he's a serviceable starting quarterback. And then all of a sudden, guess what? Now you have almost $20 million to spend on that defense that eventually is going to command the money. And that's where your bread it winning is. That's what's winning you games. Look at a Seattle. Leonard Fournette. Look at how Seattle let it fall apart. You know what I'm saying? Keeping these guys on, you know, on really small contracts and then having to pay your quarterback a lot of money. And I think with Bortles being in Florida, no, no, you know, state, no state tax. Like he can get that $10 million, you know, 10 million a year for what? Seven years or five years and everything and be legit, you know, be good. Nobody's knocking down his door to like get him to be a starting quarterback. So it's really it, his only chance to be a starter. It really is. Bortles is from Florida. That's what we're not saying, man. Here's a kid that's from Florida, went to UCF. Like, he's a Florida boy. So, it, would it make sense for them to keep him? If he wins, let's go ahead and say I he wins I don't know if that matters as much in the NFL, though, about being a guy from your home state. I think from your franchise, if he, if he takes this, if he goes ahead and beats the Patriots today, and they go to the Super Bowl. Blake Bortles will be the quarterback of the Jacksonville Jaguars for the next few years. And I think that sure. fan base is actually getting behind them now. I think they actually are kind of supporting that quarterback. Like I think they certainly are right now. But it, the true test is we'll see what happens when they lose two games in the first two weeks next year if they all start falling off the bandwagon well, again. It, it, I just, don't really truly believe the Jags have more than like 100 real fans. <laughs> well, I don't think the Seahawks do. I, I agree. I, I very Shots much fired. think fired. I, I think he's a, a very much comparable to Joe Flacco. I think that story is very similar. You both like Joe Flacco's had the benefit of one having one of the best defenses year in, year out his entire and career. Two of the best defensive players that you will ever find in Ray Lewis and Ed Reed. He was it's one of those things. Like Joe Flacco did things to win that Super Bowl. Like like Blake Bortles shined last week he did things to win that game he put up 45 points bro he, blake bortles was very very good last so, week and he if he can but he was really bad against the bills yes. right so it's a one week thing if he can do it again you're right if he can beat the patriots and go to the super bowl it's a similar question i'm going to ask about case keenum you can't really get rid of him at that point right he just did this for your franchise i think it'd be bad business if you got rid of him if you get rid of him after that it's it's more of a business decision than a smart decision. I don't think they ran the ball against the Bills the way they did last week. And I think that's the key. I think Leonard Fournette literally is the key. Like, obviously, the defense, you got 50% of it there with the defense. Now, the key on offense is you get Leonard Fournette going, it just allows Bortles to do the play action. I don't know if you noticed, he, they were running play action last week, and he was successful off of it. Yep. All right, we got a break. Uh, we will give our full predictions coming up a little bit later in the show as we do uh, who we think and who we want to see in the Super Bowl segment. But coming up next, let's switch gears to the game at 340 on Fox, the NFC championship game between the Vikings and the Eagles. This is Football Sunday on 1080 The Fan. Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. 9.50 on your Sunday morning. Talking the NFL playoffs. Just broke down the Patriots-Jags game as well as talking about some Blake Bortles. We'll get to the predictions later in the show. Switching gears to the second game of the day. NFC title game between the Eagles and the Vikings. 340 on Fox in Philadelphia, Minnesota. A three-point favorite on the road. Once again, the Eagles at home as the one-seed and underdog due mostly to the fact that Carson Wentz has been injured for the last five weeks of the season, including this week. He's out for the year. And 
this game is fascinating to me, but less so than the Jaguars Patriots game. I am. It's weird because going going into the week, I wouldn't have thought this. I, I I would think that I would be way more interested in Eagles Vikings, but I'm not. I think Jags Patriots is going to be abs- is is going to be the best game in terms of storylines and interest level for most people because Vikings Eagles, although two really good teams in the top two seeds in the NFC, is a game between two elite defenses with two quarterbacks who people have question marks about again, which we'll get to in a little bit with both of them. And it, this one feels more like a 17-14 game, mm-hmm. whereas Jags-Patriots feels like it could go any which what way. It'd be really fascinating. So, I don't know. To me, this game just feels like the defenses are going to dominate, and it's going to be up to which offense can break through first or the most, which sounds super generic, but it's how I feel about it, is going to win this game because these defenses are really good. People are overlooking how good the Eagles' defense is. The Carson Wentz was incredible and stole all the storylines for the entire Eagles team, but their defense has been amazing this year. And it's not as good as the Vikings defense, but they're both really, really, really top of the line D's. Both of these teams um, have some amazing talent on both sides of the ball, you know, or at least on, on the offensive side, you know, you look at what Philadelphia, you know, is able to do. And I think a lot of people would be, most people would be picking Philly. Like you said, if Carson Wentz were playing today. Um, it really sucks that Carson Wentz isn't playing today because he hit a stride last year to where it looked like he was going to be um, kind of the guy. But I look at this defense that they have, and there, there's, man, um, guys like uh, Fletcher Cox, you know what I'm saying, Malcolm Jenkins, Jalen Mills, like, bro, like, they're they're all over the place. And we don't really talk, we didn't talk a lot about the Eagles' defense because their offense was so good this past year. They were winning games 30 to 14. You know, and, and, and Carson Wentz, looked like he was going to win the MVP, and I think probably still should win the MVP because the Eagles are not here if not for Carson Wentz. And, I mean, I guess to make Wentz's case, man, they've been underdogs in every game they played because they no longer have their trigger man. So, if I mean, if that's an indication of what valuable means, uh, I think there you go. So Carson Wentz should win this award. He won't, though. Um, but then I look over on the other side, and, and I'm looking at this Minnesota uh, defense and and some of the things that they can do. And then I'm also looking at some of the weapons Minnesota has on offense. I think that's the thing that scares me most if I'm a Philadelphia fan as I'm looking at the fact that um, Stephon Diggs is a monster. You know, probably one of the, one of the more, as we start talking about the best receivers in the league, um, a guy that we don't bring up enough, you know, almost on some Jordy Nelson type stuff. Like he's right there and we know how good he is, but when you start talking about the best, his name just his name just doesn't ring bells for a lot of people, but um, they're going to start ringing bells for a lot of people, especially after he's put on display today. And guys like Adam Thielen, um, they are a great well, hopefully team. Hopefully healthy. He's hopefully, yeah, hopefully he's healthy. Hopefully injury. he's going to be able to, to to go today. But um, who would have thought that the Vikings would be in this position without Adrian Peterson? You know, when they lost, you know, AP a, a year ago, everybody was like, oh, well, it looks like this is where they go down. And then also, who would have thought they'd be here without Teddy Bridgewater? Right. And then, and they then lose Sam Bradford. Bradford. You know, yeah. and so, and all that being said, here they are. Zimmer somehow has them playing right here in the NFC Championship. So, and then let, let's go ahead and say the Vikings do, you know, come out and get the W today. Because the Vikings are the more, I think they're the more complete team yeah. than Philadelphia right now. Let's say they actually come out and win. They'll be the first team in history to play the Super Bowl at home. Is it the first? I believe it's happened once before. Has it? Once or twice. I think it was in the 60s or 70s. There was a 
it's, uh, it might have been the Niners. I can't remember who it was. One of those teams played at their home stadium. But, yeah, in a very long time, in the modern era of football, that a team's going to be playing at home with tickets that have already been sold to probably a majority of Minnesotans who live in the area. Absolutely. It's going to be a home game for them. And there's some weird rule that uh, if the Vikings win, the NFC gets the Vikings locker room. So they get their home locker room, even though the Patriots would have the better record if the Patriots win, mm-hmm. and the Vikings would get the home locker room. Well, yes, man. We play in here every week. What you mean? It's yeah. just it, – I, I agree with that, but the thought uh, is usually that the home team gets the benefit of being the home team, and in reality, they're just – it'd be the Vikings getting no. their own – it'd be the most – Creature comfort or situation for them, it'd be awesome. For no, them. It'd, it'd be, it'd be, that's again, that's kind of one of the cool things about the Super Bowl. That's just another one of those stories that you're going to hear within the last, you know, three, four days before the game actually starts over you know, and over and over, over and over. And if over they win, again. of course. Yeah. Um, yeah. Looking at the defensive totals, just from what I was bringing up, I was, I was looking at the, the Eagles more, but this is total yards given up this year. Number one, Minnesota. Number two, Jacksonville. Number four, Philadelphia in yards given up New England number 29 um but points per game given up number one Minnesota number two Jacksonville number four Philly number five New England Mm -hmm. only other team in there the LA Chargers who um didn't even make the playoffs LA Chargers well did they make Chargers didn't make playoffs no they didn't they missed the Rams last week yeah think about the Rams yeah I think the Titans win is what knocked them out of the playoffs that week but yeah so uh the the Philly this is more about the Philly defense they're super ignored for how good they've been this Absolutely. year. And it's and you're right. It's because Carson Wentz has taken all the storylines. It's because they scored 30 points a game and Carson Wentz threw for four touchdowns a game. But with all that being said, I agree with you too that the Vikings are the are the more, more complete team. They've got a quarterback who I trust more in Case Keenum. They've got a better running game uh, with Latavius Murray and with Jarek McKinnon. The Eagles running game can be really good. Remember, they've got Ajayi and they've got uh, LeGarrette Blunt. Etc. But it's just been a little bit more inconsistent this year. Mm-hmm. I like the Vikings receivers more than I like the Eagles receivers. I like Kyle Rudolph and Zach Ertz probably about the same in terms of the tight ends. And then defensively, I think the Vikings are a better defensive team. I like their defense better, uh, even though I think their defense is a little bit overrated in terms of how people are talking about it this year. But because of all that, I really do think the Vikings should win this game, even though it's in Philly, because they're just the more complete team who if one thing isn't working, they've got a lot of other things that can work. And I'm a little bit worried about that with the Eagles. If the running game's not working, you're relying 100% on Nick Foles. If Nick Foles isn't playing super well, then you're relying 100% on the running game, which has been a little bit inconsistent this year. At least the Vikings have options. Yeah, I think the Vikings have a ton of options, and that's kind of what makes – that's why I give them uh, a slight edge in, in today's game. All right, coming up next, let's dive into the quarterback situation for both these teams. Again, as we continue our theme of the other three, not named Tom Brady, Case Keenum with the became a legend in one second last week or in six seconds last week. Do the Vikings have to keep him because of that? And then Nick Foles, Rashad, has a hot take on Nick Foles. Sizzling. Sizzler. That's next. Plus, hater love it next hour. And who do we want to see and who do we think we're going to see in the Super Bowl? That's all next hour as we wrap up the show. One more hour to go on 1080 The Fan. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. 
With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.